podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, Two-Footed Podcast on Wednesday, the 7th of June. Hope you're all well. Hope you've all had a pleasant weekend without me. But I'm back. Limerick is great. Unfortunately, farmers have made the area around my house smell atrocious because it's just that time of year. Anyway, we had a lot that took place while I was away. Manchester City beat Manchester United 2-1 in the FA Cup final. That is the domestic double sealed. They're on for the treble. We'll talk more about the upcoming Champions League final as the week progresses. 
In the German Cup final, RB Leipzig beat Eintracht Frankfurt 2-0. Christopher Nkunku and Dominic Zabozlai with the goals. In the Scottish Cup final, Celtic 3, Inverness Caledonian Thistle 1. Celtic complete the treble. Kyogo, Abada and Jota with the goals. Daniel McKay did get one back for Caledonian, but not enough. But they did themselves proud as a lower league team. They did themselves proud. And in the Portuguese Cup final, Porto beat Braga 2-0. Porta with an own goal and Otavia with the second. Porto, who missed out on the league, managed to win the Portuguese Cup. In the main European leagues, the final games took place in the last three that were still to play. England, Portugal and France had all taken their summer holidays. It was just Spain, Italy and, sorry, England, Portugal and Germany had finished up. Uh, It was Spain, Italy and France that were left. So in La Liga, Mallorca 3, Rayo Vallecano 0, Real Sociedad 2, Sevilla 1, Villarreal 2, Atletico Madrid 2, uh, two. Real Madrid 1, Athletic Club de Bilbao 1, Osasuna 2, Girona 1, Real Betis 1, Valencia 1, Celta Vigo 2, Barcelona 1, Espanyol 3, Almeria 3, Elche 1, Cadiz 1, and Valladolid nil, Hitafe nil. And unfortunately for Valladolid, that nil-nil means they join Espanyol and, El- and Elche going down. Almeria were going down. They were losing 3-2 to Espanyol, but they managed to drag themselves back into the game with a late, late goal from Embarda giving them the point that they needed. They stay up, and unfortunately for Valladolid, they go down. Uh, Valencia also surviving by the skin of their teeth, as did Hitafe and Cadiz. Celta Vigo, pre-game, looked like the team might go down because they were facing Barcelona. That was the toughest game anybody had, and their head-to-head record against the rest wasn't great. But Gabri Viega managed to score two goals to give them a huge win over Barca and keep them in the division. That's probably his farewell to the club and what a way to go out. Barcelona are champions. Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad will play in the Champions League. Then it goes Villarreal, Real Betis, Osasuna, Athletic Club de Bilbao, Mallorca, Girona, Rayo Vallecano, Sevilla, who managed to finish 12th and win the Europa League because they have voodoo. Uh, Celta Vigo finished 13th despite going into the final day looking like a team that was going down. Cadiz, Hitafe, Valencia, Almeria, and then the last three, Valladolid, Espanyol and Elche, and they all go down. In France, Reims 1, Montpellier 3, Nice 3, Lyon 1, PSG 2, Clermont Foot 3, Troyes 1, Lille 1, Ejeco 1, Marseille nil, Laurent two, Strasbourg one, Brest one, Rennes two, Monaco one, Toulouse two, and then the two games that really mattered: Nantes one, Angers nil, Auxerre one, Lens three. 
So what that means is that Augsair are joining Ajeko, Troyes and Angers, heading for the second division. There are four teams going down, with only two coming up as they move from a 20-team league to an 18-team league. So Augsair, unfortunately, will play in the second flight next season. Non survive just barely. PSG are league champions. They finished the season one point ahead of Len. Now, obviously, they had the title wrapped up with a couple of games to go, but Lens finished the season in great form. They won their last five in a row, and for them to finish second is an incredible achievement. Marseille third, 11 points behind Lens. That's a big gap. Rennes fourth, Lille fifth, Monaco sixth, Lyon seventh, then Clermont foot, Nice, Laurent, Reims, Montpellier, Toulouse, Brest, Strasbourg, Nantes, and then Auxerre, Ajeco, Troyes, and Angers. Uh, it looks like PSG are going to change manager again. Uh, Christophe Galtier has been informed that he's unlikely to continue in the job for next season. And Julian Nagelsmann is now the favourite to take over. That doesn't seem like the smartest move he could have made. Being honest, it doesn't seem like the smartest move for him because he's just been sacked by Bayern. And the standard at PSG is if you don't win the Champions League, you're out the door. So if he doesn't win the Champions League there, he'll be sacked within two years. doesn't matter what he does domestically. We know that Messi is leaving. They've got Skriniar coming in. They've got Manuel Ugart coming in. They managed to get him from under Chelsea's nose. Chelsea claimed they pulled out, but we all know the truth. The player picked PSG. All things considered, that is a very, very difficult job with enormous pressure. Winning the league is not good enough, same as Bayern. So you want to talk about out of the frying pan and into the fire. That's what Nagelsmann has done. I don't think it's the right move for him. I think it, like Chelsea, was a job that he should have avoided. But if that's what he's doing, fair play. Best of luck to him. I don't fancy his chances. Uh, in Serie A, then, final day of the season, Sassuolo won, Fiorentina 3, Torino 0, Inter 1, Cremonese 2, Salonatana 0, Empoli 0, Lazio 2, Napoli 2, Sampdoria 0, Atalanta 5, Monza 2, Udinese 0, Juventus 1, Lecce 2, Bologna 3, Roma 2, Spezia 1, and Milan 3, Verona 1. What we have is Napoli as champions, Lazio 2nd, Inter 3rd, Milan 4th. Atalanta, Roma and Juve will take Europa League and Conference League spots. Fiorentina could also take a Europa League spot if they win tonight against West Ham. We're coming to that. Uh, Bologna, Torino, Monza, Udinese, Sassuolo, Empoli, Salonatana, Lecce, Spezia, Verona, Cremonese and Sampdoria. Spezia and Verona finish level on points, level with head-to-head. And now they have a one-game playoff to decide who stays in the division. It's going to be played on a neutral venue. It's going to be played at Sassuolo's ground, which is also, it's actually uh, Reggiana's ground, but Sassuolo played there. Um, One game to decide who stays in the division and who goes down. 
That game will take place on Sunday at quarter to eight. And that is a massive game for both clubs because the financial ramifications of dropping is not as bad as it is in the Premier League to Championship, but it's still fairly severe. So that is a huge game for both. So that wraps us on the main European leagues for the season, other than that one game which we'll talk about next Monday. Tonight, we have West Ham United taking on Fiorentina in the final of the Europa Conference League in Prague. Fiorentina have been in pretty good form, but they have dropped off a little bit. They lost the Coppa Italia final to Inter. They finished their league season with three wins from from six, but, you know, they won the last two games. But they've been very, very good through this European competition, as have West Ham. So West Ham's path started off, they beat Viberg in the qualifier. They went into a group with Anderlecht, Silkberg, and the artist formerly known as Stoya Bucharest, and they won all six games. 3-1 over Stoya, 3-2 over Silkberg, 1-0 1-0 over Anderlecht, 2-1 over Anderlecht, 1-0 over Silkberg, and 3-0 over Steyr. Then they played AEK Larnaca in the round of 16. They beat them 2-0 away. They beat them 4-0 at home, a 6-0 aggregate scoreline. The only game they haven't won in this competition, 1-1 away to Ghent in the first round, in the first game of the quarterfinals. They beat them 4-1 at home. And then they played A's at Alkmaar. They beat them 2-1 at home. They beat them 1-0 away, 3-1 on aggregate. So West Ham, to their credit, have run through this competition beating everybody and beating everybody twice bar Ghent. So in all likelihood, they go into this game as favourites. Now, Fiorentina's path has been a little more checkered. So... They played 20 in the qualifier. They beat them 2-1 at home, drew 0-0 away. Into the group, they got Istanbul, Besiktas, they got Hearts, and they got ORFS from Latvia. They drew with ORFS in their first game. They lost 3-0 in in Istanbul. Then they beat Hearts 3-0 away, beat them 5-1 at home. Then they beat Besiktas at home, and then they beat ORFS away from home. And they finally seem to found the groove. They hammered Braga 4-0 away. Then they beat them 3-2 at home. Then they beat Sivaspor 1-0 at home and then beat them 4-1 away. Then they beat Lech Poznan 4-1 away. Lost to them 3-2 at home, but they were comfortably, or it felt like they were comfortably through until they started to play silly beggars and managed to go fall 3-0 behind and then had to start playing again. Then they beat Basel. 4-3 on aggregate, lost the first leg to one, won the second leg away from home, 3-1. And that lands them here. They have some very good players. Dodo, the Brazilian right back, is excellent. Nikola Milinkovic, the uh, Serbian centre-back, is excellent. Lucas Martinez-Quarta, Argentine centre-back, can also play with a left-back. He's very good. Uh, Igor, the Brazilian centre-back, he's a quality player. In midfield, Mandragora is a good player. Amrabat, everybody will know, he's very good. 
Castrovia is decent. Sabonora is decent. Bonaventura, Bonaventura is decent. In attack, they've got real talent. Christopher Kwame is a good player. Nico Gonzalez is outstanding. Jonathan Ikone is very good. Arthur Cabral is a threat. And Luka Jovic, when he's on, is excellent, but he is very inconsistent. They will cause West Ham problems tonight. I have no doubt about that. I think this is set up to be a really good final. And I have to pick the Italians to win because I want Italy to get one of these three trophies. They didn't get the Europa League. They didn't get the... Uh, sorry, they, I don't think they'll get the Champions League. But I might talk myself into it by the end of the week. But it's Fiorentina. And when I think about Fiorentina, I think back to the 90s. And I think of some of the great players that they had in those 1990s team. Your Brian Laudrup's, your Stefan Effenberg's, Rui Costa, and of course the most important one of all, Gabriel Badastuda. That team were absolutely sensational. And Claudio Ranieri was managing them back then, and they were just an awful lot of fun. They had Stefan Schwartz. They had Andre Kanchelskis, formerly of Manchester United and Everton. There was just a lot of really good players. At a time where Syria ruled the world, they were a really good team. They didn't win the major honours. They won one Coppa Italia in 96. They won one again in 01. That was kind of after everybody had moved on. They didn't win anything in Europe, but they were always a threat. And they were sort of everybody's second favourite Italian team. That purple jersey with, with seven up on it is iconic. The one with Nintendo on it is iconic. They just had incredible players. Players that you could really, you could just really love watching and not not have to care all that much about the team. You could just watch them play and just enjoy them. Roberto Baggio came through at Fiorentina. was there from 85 to 1990. Dunga was there. Uh, Stefano Pioli, now manager of AC Milan, he was there. Badastuta, Francesco Toldo, what a great keeper he was. Rui Costa, like I mentioned. Uh, Angelo Delivio, he went there after leaving Juve. There was just fantastic players at the club. They were so much fun to watch. And especially when Rui Costa, Rui Costa and Badastuta were there together. That, for me, was when they were at their real peak from 94 to 2000. And they were in the Champions League a couple of times. I remember they played Arsenal at Wembley because Arsenal were building the Emirates. And they were just they were just fun to watch. And they just had lots of good players. They finished fourth in 96. That was the year they won the Coppa Italia. Uh, They would go on and play in the Cup Winners' Cup the following year, got to the semifinals. Probably should have won it that year. 
lost to Barcelona, to be fair, you can't really argue, but they had such a good team. Following season 98, they finished fifth. 99, they finished third. Jörg Heinrich was there that year as well. Guillermo Amor. Abel Balbo. Predrag Mijatovic, one of my favourite players of all time, was there in that 99-2000 season. Uh, They had Edmundo for a while as well. Just lots and lots of really, really good players. They played Arsenal in 99. Arsenal didn't leave. Why was that played in at Wembley? Arsenal didn't leave the leave Highbury for another few years. Arsenal didn't play a full season at Wembley. I don't really know. If anyone knows why Arsenal played Fiorentina at Wembley in October of 99. Can I, can you let me know? I remember Badastuda scoring an absolute worldly in that game to beat them. Um, yeah, yeah, they played Man United then in the in the next phase. Um, they finished third in the second group stages back when there was two group stages and it was a load of nonsense. But um, everybody should remember Badastuda's goal against United, where he just lashes it from about thirty five yards. Oh, Guy has the answer for me here. Uh, Arsenal opted to play their Champions League group games at Wem- at Wembley during the 89- 98-99 season after UEFA advertising boards significantly reduced the attendance at Highbury. Ah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. The game also pro- provided the Gunners with an experiment to see if they could fill a bigger stadium ahead of their move to the Emirates. Okay, all of that makes sense to me now. Um, Anyway, so yeah, Fiorentina, because of nostalgia, because I want to see Italy get one of these three trophies, um, I'm picking Fiorentina to beat West Ham. I do think West Ham are favourites, though. I do think they should be favourites. I think they've earned the right to be favourites going into the game, given how they've performed in the tournament so far. Uh, We'll see how they they react when the, the brightest lights are on them. It's going to be a good game. It is going to be a good game. Right. Uh, moving on then. Ange Postacoglu has broken my heart. He is the new manager of Tottenham Hotspur. He will take over on July 1st. He has been at Celtic for two years. He has been incredible with Celtic in his time there. Absolutely incredible. Two league titles, two league cups and the Scottish Cup this season. He has had success pretty much everywhere he's been. He had success with South Melbourne. He had great success with the Brisbane Roar. He had success with the Australian national team at all levels, under 17, under 20, and senior. He had success with uh, Yokohama F. Marinos, winning a J-League title. He is an excellent manager. And the work he's done at Celtic is is incredible. 
the football that they played was just, it's the best football I've ever seen Celtic play. It's the most enjoyable Celtic team of my lifetime. And now he moves on to Spurs. Four-year contract. Big commitment from the club. Big commitment from him. I assume he's gotten guarantees on certain things like spending, like time, like patience. Because his style of football might not translate immediately to Spurs. But if they give him time and they give him backing, I do think he will have success there. I think if they get their director of football situation sorted quickly, quickly, then he can go about bringing in the players that Postacoglu will need to implement his style of football, which plays from a base 4-3-3, but is fluid, is aggressive, is genuinely a joy to watch. I'm really excited to see how he does. I've seen a lot of pushback from Spurs fans on, you know, he's not a big enough name and yada, yada, yada. First of all, Celtic's a bigger club than Spurs, so hush. Secondly, he's won five trophies in two years, right? He's won five trophies in two years. You haven't won five trophies in 30 years. You've won three trophies in the last 40 years. So, so hush, you know. Sorry, I I tell a lie. You won four. You won four. Because you won the Copeners Cup in 1984. This guy, I saw a lot of Spurs fans demanding Deserby. Demanding Deserby. You hadn't heard of Deserby before he went to Spurs, uh, to Brighton. So how is this different? Because he's Australian? Because it's Scotland? Because you watched what happened with Rodgers and you watched what happened with Gerrard and you've decided that all managers from Scotland aren't going to work. But that's simply not the case. If the guy is good enough, if he's given the backing... If he's given the time, he will have success. And I believe he is good enough. So now it's just a question of backing and time. And when you look at that Spurs squad, there's a lot of players that do fit into what Ange will want to do. Now, Hugo Lloris is gone. Forget him. Ollie Skip, not really an Ange type of midfielder. Not good enough on the ball. Hoysberg, I think he'll keep. Davinson Sanchez, I'd expect to leave. Son, Richarlison, I think he'll want to keep both of them. He'll want to keep Harry Kane, but it might be in everybody's best interest if Kane left. If Real Madrid are serious about wanting Harry Kane and they'll give you 80 to 90 million for him, take it and rebuild with that money. Um, I don't think Emerson Royale is going to fit, but maybe he will. I don't think he will, but maybe. Uh, Ivan Perisic. 
don't know that Ange will get on all that well with him. Paris is just quite spiky, and so is Ange. Uh, Eric Dyer is an atrocity. He should be sold. I don't know what's going to happen with Dan Juma. Maybe they'll keep him. Maybe they won't. Romero, he'll like. He does like having an aggressive centre-back. I think he's going to like the full-back situation. Now, I've said before, Pedro Porro, Jed Spence, Ryan Sessegnon, and Destiny Adoiji, they're all more wing-back than full-back. But the way he uses full-backs, I think they'll fit. I think you'll like Tanganga because he, he does like his defenders to be quite mobile. Uh, Lucas Moura's leaving. He'll like Papa Matar Sar. He'll like Bentoncourt. Uh, Davies will be a squad player. Basuma, I think, is one he will like. Um, he'll probably look to sell Regulon, who I forgot that they owned. Harry Winks, it wouldn't surprise me if he gives him an opportunity. Uh, Brian Hill, I think he'll want to keep. I think he'll want to keep um, Kulisevsky. I think you'll want to keep Lacelso maybe for preseason at least and have a look at him and Endombele. Joe Roden, I think, could benefit from this. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe Roden plays for Spurs next season and, and plays a not a not inconsequential role. Um but yeah, he will prioritize footballers, but he will also prioritize work rate. And if you want to play for him, you're gonna run. And you're going to run a lot. And you're going to do things when you have the ball that maybe you don't know that you're capable of. But I think Spurs have done well here. From a Celtic point of view, I would have loved them to stay. I would have loved them to stay forever, if possible. But it wasn't to be. He gave us two great years. And hopefully we can get a suitable replacement in. And I hope he goes and has great success. I hold no ill will. I've seen some Celtic fans say, oh, he lied. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. What he said was he didn't want to talk about it. He wasn't thinking about it until the final was over. He wanted the focus to be on Celtic, on the football. And that's what the the, the focus was on. And he delivered the treble and now he moves on and he moves on with my best wishes. Um, so we might as well take a break and then come back and just catch up with a clatter of gossip because I don't really fancy being here for the whole day. So I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So uh, news from Ukraine. Sergei Rebrov, former Spurs striker, has been named as the new national team manager. Best of luck to him. Doesn't seem like the best of jobs to be getting right now. Um, there's a good piece up on the BBC about Postacoglu and what he will bring to Spurs. Juventus have signaled their intention to quit the Super League project. Juventus were still clinging on along with AC Milan, along with Barcelona and Real Madrid, but now it seems like they've broken ranks. My guess is this is part of the the deal that they've cut with the governing bodies in in Italy. We've seen them obviously have the points deducted. We've seen them get a fine for different uh, crimes committed by the club. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that 
they have agreed to walk away from the Super League to avoid a, a bigger penalty. AC Milan have made the decision to sack Paolo Maldini as their sporting director or technical director. Uh, seems like a biz- bizarre decision because he had helped build the team that won the title last year, their first title in 11 years. But it sounds like he just had a little bit too ambition, too much ambition uh, for the owner's liking, and that's maybe why he's been he's been moved on. Um, pick your Pep Guardiola 11. Okay. So it's this Pep obviously is chasing a second treble, didn't win one at Bayern. So Manuel Nauer is not an option. So you can have Ederson or Victor Valdez. I think they're both hugely flawed, but I'll take Ederson because he's a better passer of the ball. Right back will be Danny Alves. Left back, I'm going to go Nathan Aki. Centre back, unquestionably Carlos Puyol. I think we'll put Ruben Diaz in next to him. Uh, the midfield, this is tough actually. Busquets has to be in. Iniesta has to be in. Oh, I, I, Xavi has to be in, doesn't he? I think you've got to go with Xavi, which would mean you put Kevin De Bruyne on the right. Messi, for Haaland through the middle, and Messi on the left, maybe? You just let De Bruyne and Messi do what they want? I think that's probably about right. Ederson, Alves, Puyol, Diaz, Aki. Could you put Iniesta on the left? He's not an option for the left-sided role, so no, you can't include him. Yeah, but if you're playing the game, yeah, you'd probably do that. You'd probably go Xavi and Busquets as a double pivot. De Bruyne and Iniesta sort of wide, but, you know, as, as tens who drift wide. And then Messi behind Haaland. That would probably be it. Uh, Guy has given me the odds for the next Celtic manager. Uh, Kettle Knutson is the current favourite. That would be an interesting one. Uh, he's certainly done very good work with Bodo Glimt. Um, Enzo Morasca next. Not really sure I'm all that keen on him. Um, he's one of Pep Guardiola's assistants at the moment, but... He did have a crack at management with Parma. It did not go well. I don't really want uh, a manager, a guy with no experience, to be totally honest. Um, Brendan Rodgers, absolutely not. The- Molly doesn't even Molly doesn't want Brendan Rodgers either, so it's a non-starter. Uh, David Moyes, no. Graham Potter, I yes, I would be open to that one. Uh, Jesse Marsh would certainly be open to that one. Kieran McKenna, definitely. John Kennedy is leaving to go with Ange and join Celtic. Uh, Marcelo Gallardo, I would love, but I just don't think it's realistic. Kevin Muscat, I mean, the problem is he's a former Rangers player. He's also a thug. But he's he is actually quite a highly regarded manager who's followed Postacoglu in a couple of places. He followed him, I think, at Melbourne Victory, and then he followed him with Yokohama, Yokohama uh, at Marinos. He has had some good success, to be fair. He's won a J-League, 
He won two A-leagues, two A-league championships and a premiership. So, yeah, I mean, he's had good success, but he's a former Rangers player, and that's just that's just not going to fly, unfortunately. That's not going to fly at Celtic. Um, I would say Andoni Irola is the name missing off that list. I think he will get consideration. Nutson, Marsh, Gallardo, if he's available, if he'd take it. I don't know if he would take it. Um, right, where was I? Back to, yes, I've got my Pep 11. Now it wants an 11 between United's travel winners and this current City team. So, Peter Schmeichel will be the goalkeeper. Gary Neville or Kyle Walker? Can I cheat and put Dennis Irwin at right back? I don't think I can. Can I? Dennis Irwin's going to be our left back. Uh, right back, Neville. Or what? Neville, that Neville. Yeah, that Neville. That version of Neville is better than this version of Walker. Centre-backs are easy. Yapsham and Ruben Diaz. Can we just take a moment, by the way, to point out that the current discourse around John Stones is among the most ridiculous things that have ever existed? There is no world in which John Stones is one of the best centre-backs the Premier League has ever seen. As a centre-back, he has had one good season in his career. This season, he's been really good since January, February, about the time all of City took off. He has been good since then. Before that, he wasn't good. Look at his time with City. So 16-17, he plays 27 games. He's not particularly good. 17-18, he plays 18 games. He's not a starter as they win the league. 18-19, 24 games. Not really first choice either. 18, sorry, 19-20, plays 16 games. Left out of the team... For Otamendi and Fernandinho. 2021 plays 22 games. Last season, 14 games. This season, 23 games. That 2021 season is probably the best season he's had as a centre-back. And he only played 22 league games. But him and Diaz were good together. But it's 22 games. He's missed over a third of the season. So for me, this idea that he's a top five centre-back in Premier League history, which is what I've seen floated, is laughable. He's not even a top five centre-back in the league now. Largely because he doesn't play as centre-back. It just isn't. He's not better than Virgil. He's not better than Diaz. He's not better than Botman. He's not better than Gabriel. I would have Saliba over him. I would have Rafa Varane over him. I would have America Laporte over him. As a centre-back, he's just not there. He's a very good player. And midfield, this midfield role definitely suits him better than centre-back did. 
But this idea that he's a top five centre back of all time is one of the more laughable things I've heard anyone come out with in the last couple of years. Anyway, back to this team. Uh, we're going to play a 4 4 2, by the way. Roy Keane is definitely in. I think Giggs has to be in as well. And I think Paul Scholes has to be in as well. And David Beckham has to be in as well. And then we'll play Kevin De Bruyne off Erling Haaland. And that's, for me, what the team would be. And I think the only one that's actually debatable is Nevlin Walker. There's great players in that City team, but they're not getting in. Rodri is outstanding. He's not better than Roy Keane. Gundogan is outstanding. He's not better than Paul Scholes. Bernardo Silva is outstanding. He's not better than David Beckham. Phil Foden at his best is outstanding, but he's not a starter and he's not as good as Ryan Giggs. And Jack Grealish is nowhere near as good as Ryan Giggs. And as good as Nathan Aki has been, he's not nearly as good as Dennis Irwin. John Stones, as good as he's been this season, isn't fit to lace Yapstam's boots. And Edison is not as good as Peter Schmeichel. The only spot that's debatable for me is Neville or Walker. That United team, because they only got 70-odd points, people think that that means something. Oh, look at the quality here. Is this team got 90-odd points? Yeah, look at the rest of the league. Look at the rest of the league. Look at how poor the league is. That's why teams are getting 90-plus points. The league is awful. That United team, with modern training methods, modern medicine, modern recovery, modern nutrition, that United team that won the travel would wipe the floor with this City team. Wipe the floor with them. This isn't even the best city team that Pep has had. The team that got 100 points and then got 98 points the next season were better than this team. This team have just been quite fortunate. Because if Liverpool play at the level they did last year, they win the league this year. If Real Madrid didn't allow their team to get so old and Liverpool hadn't crapped themselves and Bayern Munich hadn't crapped themselves, the Champions League would have been a lot more interesting as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a great achievement if they pull it off, but that does not make this team as good as that team. Not even a little bit. Um, Let's jump into the gossip then. We've loads of it. Some of this is going to be repetitive. And some of it will be outdated because we're starting with Saturday and running through to today's. <clears throat> Manchester City captain Ilkay Gundogan is on the verge of joining Barcelona when his contract expires at the end of the season, with the La Liga side swaying the German midfielder with the offer of a three-year contract. Allegedly, allegedly, City are only offering one year with an option for a second. Chelsea will demand a fee of around £35 million for Mateo Kovacic. I think that's fair enough. Arsenal have agreed terms with West Ham midfielder Declan Rice. Who is saying that now? Let's have a quick gander. 
Uh, it's an exclusive from Steve Kay, who's a spoofer, uh, on football transfers, tr- football transfers, which is an, an outlet of spoofers. Um, Bayern Munich have not given up hope of signing Rice. Uh, West Ham could sack David Moyes if they did not win the final on Wednesday. That would be harsh, but but deserved. I, I personally I think he should go either way. Uh, Chelsea, I'm sorry, Manchester United will offer Harry Maguire to Chelsea as part of a deal for Mason Mount. Do they want to be laughed at? Bayern Munich and Manchester United remain interested in Dusan Vlahovic. Um, okay, okay. Liverpool have agreed to meet Alexis McAllister's release clause and will pay Brighton a fee of 55 to 60 million for the midfielder. This is from our good friend and spoofer, Wayne Vesey. Uh, the fee is 38 million pounds plus seven in adults. So Wayne Vesey once again spoofing away. Chelsea are looking to bring in Moises Caicedo and Manuel Ugarte. Ugarte has turned them down. Barca are confident their financial plans will soon be approved by La Liga, enabling them to begin their transfer business, which will include re-signing Lionel Messi. So it's all an interesting thing. Because of Spanish labour laws, if Messi signs for Barcelona, he has to get a minimum salary of £25 a year, which is 50% of his guaranteed salary on his last contract there. He can't take any less. Otherwise, it would be a violation of the labour laws, which is a little bit strange, but good enough for Barca. Uh, Karim Benzema will see out the final year of his contract with Real Madrid, despite rumours that he is set to accept a lucrative move to Saudi Arabia. That was from Marcus. So if you ever wanted to know if Marcus was reliable, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, Karim Benzema is gone to the Middle East. It looks like N'Golo Kante will be the next to join him. Wolf Zaha has also been linked to the move over there, which would be disappointing. And Alexis Sanchez, uh, another one being linked with moves over there. Uh, we'll have a moral waffle about that tomorrow, I think. Saudi clubs have already started to approach Sergio Ramos. Um, he, he would fit well over there. Uh, N'Golo Kante to Saudi. Real Madrid remain interested in Kai Havertz. Manchester United target Randall Colomuani, who has, has offered himself to Real Madrid. It's not really how it works, though. Everton are trying to clinch a £27 million deal for Tammy Abraham. So, I said last week about Tammy coming back to England. First of all, £27 million is not even going to get uh, Roma to answer the phone. He tore his ACL at the weekend, so he's out for six to eight months. Um, Newcastle believe they have beaten Aston Villa to the signing of Kieran Tierney. Reese Nelson is expected to sign a new deal with Arsenal after a breakthrough and talks of an extension, so they've overpaid him. Sheffield United are considering a move for Connor Cody. Um, that could make sense if they stick to a back three, um, but it's Peter Rourke who's just so full of shit, they don't even know where to start. Uh, Englishman, Englishman, <laughs> Englishman, Stephen Gerrard and Scott Parker are being considered for the Leeds job. I'm not sure why it needed to say Englishman. Uh, maybe because it's from the Telegraph. Um, it, both of them would be appalling appointments, by the way. Appalling. Leicester are making a new move to appoint Graham Potter. I'd be interested to see if he'd take that job now they're in the championship. Benfica and Inter Milan are interested in signing Jordi Alba. Uh, Benfica would make sense, Inter less so. Uh, moving on. 
Carlo Ancelotti has told Real Madrid's board to sign Harry Kane. Tottenham will sign Celtic striker Kyogo if Ange Postacoglu joins. Um, I don't think that's true. Uh, Postacoglu remained tight-lipped. Al-Halil hoped to announce the signing of Lionel Messi on June 6th. Uh, Today is June 7th and they haven't done that yet. Uh, Chelsea are confident of completing a deal for Manuel Ugar, says the spoofer with the catchphrase. Um, Paris Saint-Germain are considering a move for Gabriel of Arsenal. Liverpool are eyeing a move for Kenny Tete. Hope that's not true. Reds are also in talks over Kefren Turam and maintain interest in Erdogan Koku. Decent. Um, Alexis McAllister set to complete the final details of a move to Liverpool. That's done. Should be announced today, hopefully. Tottenham and France goalkeeper Hugo Lloris says it's the end of an era and he hopes to find a project where he will thrive amid links of a move away. He, he, he's not very good anymore. He's just go somewhere and just go away. Leeds have shortlisted John Dahl Thomason in their search for the next manager. God, I hope not. That's Wayne Vesey. Nonsense. Uh, Leicester City are considering appointing Stephen Gerrard. That would be awful. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino will block any move from Real Madrid for Kai Havertz. Interesting. Uh, the chance to play for Champions League, to play Champions League, has proven key in Mason Mount choosing uh, Manchester United over Liverpool. He didn't. Liverpool chose Alexis McAllister over him. So once again, Peter Rourke is lying to people for a living. Uh, Julian Timber was spotted in attendance of the FA Cup final. Uh, Aston Villa are in talks with Sporting over a move for Pedro Cancalves. He's very, very good. Newcastle are closing in on Gambia and Oden swinger Yankubu Minta. Meant to be very talented, never seen him play. He was linked to... Where was he linked to? Bologna recently. I think they've already got a Gambian midfielder or attacker. His name, I can't remember. But I know Sam Maguire tried to um, to run propaganda so that Liverpool might... Uh, when Liverpool were interested. Uh, Musa Barrow. Musa Barrow, yeah. That's, I think that's basically why he, that other kid's been linked there because they've already got one Gambian player. Uh, Brighton will complete the signing of Mo Dahoud next week. Chelsea are ready to offer Eduard Mendy and cash for Andre Onana. Might not be a bad move for everybody in, involved, to be fair. Uh, Manchester City hope their bid to win the treble will persuade Erling Haaland to sign a longer deal. But, I mean, if he wins the treble, he's got nothing else to do there. So what's the point? Then you probably want to lose, so you're still a something to chase. Real Madrid will build $100 million for Kane. Manchester United will make a $50 million offer for Mason Mount and push to sign Harry Kane, although they think signing the England captain is unlikely. Marcus Rashford plans to stay at Manchester United despite interest in Paris Saint-Germain. Real Madrid are on the way to a mega deal for Kai Havertz. I'm not sure why it would be a mega deal. It's not like he's done well at Chelsea. Um, so you'd probably be getting him a little bit cheaper. Uh, Karim Benzema is expected to join Saudi Arabian champions Al Itihad on a two-year contract. 200 million a year, if you don't mind. Uh, Into Miami's offer to Lionel Messi includes deals with Apple and Adidas, but is worth less financially than his offer from Saudi Arabia. But, as I suggested it would, will include 
a potential stake in a future MLS franchise. So that part, definitely part of it. Uh, Also potential that he could get a share of the TV revenue due to their new streaming deal with Apple and pit revenue from the, um, the kit deal that they have with Adidas. Adidas make the kits for all MLS teams. Um, 860 million over six years or something like that. But there might be a percentage to kick back to him based on sales. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain have made Julian Nagelsmann the top choice. <clears throat> Tottenham want David Rea to replace uh, Hugo Lloris. That's the one that's been going around. Chelsea are expected to complete the signing of Manuel Lugart. That was record in Portuguese outlet. Spoofers. Uh, Chelsea have moved ahead of Paris Saint-Germain in the race sign Lugart. Yeah. Crystal Palace have offered Wolf Zaha a new contract worth 150 grand a week, less than Qatari side Al Saad offered the Ivory Coast forward who's dealing. It'd be so disappointing if he goes to the Middle East at 30. Whatever about going in a few years, just stay in Europe at least. Uh, Manchester United have made a move to sign Sofian Amrabat. Okay. Brighton's 21-year-old Ecuadorian midfielder Moises Caicedo has agreed personal terms with Arsenal. No, he hasn't. He might have in January. He hasn't now. Arsenal will make a bid for Declan Rice after Wednesday's final. And that's where he's going to go for certain. Uh, Everton are keen to sign Voot Veghorst. Makes sense. Deich. Deich did buy him before, so it makes sense. Um, Fred could leave Manchester United this summer. Oh, how terrible. Um, West Ham and Burnley are interested in Javi Diallo of Strasbourg. Chelsea will demand £20 million for Ian Matson this summer. Nonsense. Rangers are clear to sign... Jack Butland, he's had a contract with Crystal Palace. Jesse Marsh is on the shortlist to become Monaco coach after they sacked Felipe Clement. And that's not a bad move, I suppose. Nice place to live, anyway. Uh, Roberto Mancini is one of the candidates to take charge of Napoli. Next Euros is next. I think he'll stay for the Euros. I don't see him walking out midway through a cycle. I think he's likely to leave after the Euros. <clears throat> um, Ilke Gundogan could return to Borussia Dortmund this summer as Barcelona cannot afford to pay his wages. Barca have tried to persuade, persuade Gundogan by extending their contract offer to three years with reduced wages. Jesus Christ. Uh, Real Madrid's first bid for Harry Kane will be $69 million. No, it won't. Not unless they want to annoy Spurs. It won't be. Tottenham will back Ange Postacoglu with money to rival Newcastle for James Madison, David Rea and Max Kilman. Why would you assume they're players that he would want? That's just nonsense. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain have beaten Chelsea to signing of Manuel Lugard. Uh, Chelsea have switched their focus to Moises Caicedo. Chelsea have revived their interest in Romeo Lavia. Chelsea would like to sign Madonna to play in midfield. Chelsea would like to sign Britney Spears. Chelsea would like to sign everybody. We know. We get it. We get it. Todd Bowley has no idea what he's doing. He's hired a bunch of people who are not qualified for the roles that they're in. 
and the club is a circus. We know that. Stop linking them to everybody in the hope that you might get one right. Uh, Alexis McAllister will sign for Liverpool, subject to medical. The medical has been complete and it's understood to agree to a five-year contract. Atletico Madrid have inquired about Will Zaha. I'd like that move for him and them. Liverpool would be willing to pay $30 million to sign Frank Kessie. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Don't be silly. Tottenham have contacted Everton over a move for Jordan Pickford. From the, uh, the Wizards at Football Transfers. Steve Kay again. Boofing. Barcelona and Poland striker Robert Lewandowski has no plans to leave the club this summer despite being linked with a move to Saudi Pro League. He'll end up there in a year or so. Aston Villa have joined the race to sign Yuri Telemans. I could see that working. Portugal goalkeeper Diogo Costa has cool talk linking him with a summer move from Porto to Manchester United. That's because he was asked as he was celebrating a cup win. Give him a week and ask him again. Angolo Kante remains open to staying at Chelsea, but the France midfielder has yet to agree a new deal, and Saudi clubs Al-Itihad and Al-Nazir are interested in signing him. Uh, Newcastle have been informed that Calvin Phillips intends to stay at Man City. Newcastle have stepped up their efforts to sign Turkish midfielder Arda Guler, very, very talented player. Real Madrid have asked about the possibility of signing Alfonso Davies and imagine their plans have changed now given they need a striker. I think originally they might have been looking at Davies and Jude Bellingham as their summer. Now I'm guessing it's Bellingham and a striker. Um, Inter Milan have made a move to sign Trevo Chalaba from Chelsea. Fraser Fletcher, spoofing. Brighton are set to announce the arrival of Mo De Hood. West Ham are looking at three midfielders, Conor Gallagher, James Ward-Prowse, and Scott McTominay. That is about as gammon as it gets. About as gammon as it gets, and that's probably Steve Case spoofing again. Um, Victor Lindelof is set to be offered a new deal at United. Why do they do this? They, why do they... Players do really badly, have one half-decent run, and then they get a new deal. What a stupid way to run a club. Uh, once again, Aston Villa want to sign Yuri Telemans. Aston Villa have held talks to sign America Laporte and Pau Torres. I think they're more likely to get Torres than Laporte. Uh, Chelsea have joined Liverpool and Barcelona in wanting Gabri Viega. I think they might be a little bit behind the ball on that one. Tottenham have shown an interest in Harry Maguire. Doubtful. Very doubtful. Very doubtful. Um... Manchester United will look to sell up to eight players this summer. Maguire, Anthony Martial, Fred, Scott McTominay, Dean Henderson, Alex Tellez, Eric Bailly, and Brandon Williams. Uh, not mentioned there is Danny Van Der Beek, uh, Van Der Beek, who I assume he'll also go. Um, Real Madrid are ready to make a move for Kai Havertz if they cannot sign Harry Kane. Mike Mannion may be willing to leave AC Milan. He is believed to be unhappy with the signing of Paolo Maldini. It was strange. Immediately after the sacking, it came out that Rafael Leao, Teo Hernandez and Manny were all unhappy. But how could anyone know? Like, unless the players rang the same journalist at the same time, it's it's a bit weird. Um, Aston Villa. Oh, I read that one. Um, Arsenal will revive their interest in Ivan Fresneda, the young 
Rayo Real Valladolid defender. They were relegated, so he's probably going to be available cheap. Out of contract, Crystal Palace and Ivory Coast for Will Saha has received a 15 million a year offer to join Cristiano in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Atletico Madrid are also interested. Nottingham Forest are in talks to sign Dean Henderson on a permanent deal. And Golo Kante has been offered a salary that could reach 86 million a year. Jesus. Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal and Man City are bidding for Romeo Lavia. Again, it's Fraser Fletcher. Again, spoofing. Manchester United are interested in Bayern Munich and Germany midfielder Leon Goretzka. I don't see it. I don't know if him and Casemiro would work. Maybe. Maybe it would. I just don't see it. Uh, Lille and USA for Timothy Way may be on the move the brink of a 9 million move to Juventus. It'd be an awful sign. Uh, Brighton away up an improved bid in the region of 40 million for Levi Colwell. Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund are interested in Senegalese defender Mikiel Fay. He plays for uh, some team whose name I can't pronounce in Croatia. Brighton are set to demand significantly more than 70 million for Moises Caicedo. Everybody knew it was going to be 80 and add-ons to 100 or something in the region of 100. So that's silly. Um, Last bit here then. Ben Foster will sign a new deal at Wrexham. So uh, from retirement to giving it another go. Fair play. Delighted for them. Delighted for them. Congrats to them on their promotion. Looking forward to seeing them in League 2. That's all I've got today. Thank you as always. I've been too long. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.